Thank you for joining us today at Revolution 22. We are a church in downtown Boise, Idaho. As we learn from God's word in the book of John, we pray that his word would be received and would bear fruit in your life. He is risen. Oh, good. You got it. That's great. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, uh, but that is not something that we just celebrate because it happened traditionally at, at a specific time, but something that has everyday implications in our lives. We are to celebrate resurrection and the implications of it in our lives every day of our life. There's not something that, although this is fun and we we, we get up and we're excited to to enjoy the, the new mercies that God gives us every day, uh, this is still something, again, that is meant to be celebrated on a regular basis. We have been working through the Gospel of John here as a church, and we're actually finishing it today. Can you believe that? A year and a half later. Um, so we're going to finish it, but John, as he has been inspired by God and written out this letter for us with a very, very, like, very pointed purpose. He was not hiding this from the very beginning, but John chapter 20, verse 30 And 31 says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that, here's his purpose, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what I wanted to do today in in light of the resurrection is, and ending the book of John, is I wanted to go back and look at the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself in the, the gospel of John here. And to the end, and the hope would be that you would believe in Jesus, that your, your heart would be enamored, your eyes, your life would be enamored by who he is. Why the I am statements is because if we're going to celebrate a resurrected Jesus, then we should probably understand or know a little bit about what this Jesus says about himself. So my hope, the goal is that you would believe in Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, that you'd put your faith in him if you have not yet, that if you are questioning or confused or, or, or maybe open to the idea of who he is, that you would, you would, by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, surrender your life entirely to Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you already believe in Jesus, then my hope would be that you'd be encouraged today, that you'd be reminded and, and, and your faith would be strengthened by all that Jesus is and has done and is doing in our lives. I'm, I'm often reminded by God's grace in my own life how how quickly and and often I tend to uh, either intellectually or practically forget what Jesus has done for me, who he is and what it means in my life practically. And so I would encourage you to not just tune out and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard all of these things. Uh, Before we get to the seven things that Jesus said about himself, I want to hit a couple couple things for you. First off is the the word life, we we use that all kinds of different ways in, in in today, where do you live, and um, are you having a good life, or what is a good life, or are you living? And we have all kinds of different ways with which we can say this word life. In the New Testament, it happens a number of different ways, but predominantly there's two. There's bios, this is the physical life, like where do you live physically, where are you? And then there's a zoe, which is this kind of this, it transcends the physical, includes it, but also talks about a quality of life or eternal life. Um, and I would argue, and the scriptures would point out, and I think that John is trying to make the point, that every single one of us have a Zoe need that we un- unintentionally sometimes look, it, look for in bios things. 
And so when we are talking about life today, because Jesus uses that word over and over and over again, it always is translated Zoe. It always is used that way when he's talking about here. So that's the first thing you need to know is he's not just talking about physical life, although resurrection is a, it brings about a physical presence, but it's not entirely physical or only physical. The second thing is this, is this, this phrase, I am. To most of us, we say things like, I am hungry, or I am these things. In, in this day, and this phrase, when used, it, it carried with it a lot of weight. In fact, uh, Exodus 3.14, when Moses is, is speaking to the burning bush, and talking to God at the burning bush, and this idea of, hey, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take my people out of exile, we're going to bring them back into a land, we're going to do these things. Um, Moses asked him, like, well, who do I say that you are? Who do I say? Like, what do I say that sends me? And Exodus 3.14 says this. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This word we have kind of loosely translated Yahweh because in its original form, there were no vowels. And so that's the, the best way we can say it at this point. It occurs over 6,800 times in the scriptures. This is a word that God is, is not just, it's not just a name, it's, it's his name. God is, is saying his name is I am. I, I am is his name. It's, it, it helps us see that God it doesn't want to just be a generic deity, but a specific person with a name. And in this name, I am, it carries a characterization. It carries the, his, his unique character and mission. It helps us to understand that, that the I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency or self-existence and immediate presence, that God, God's existence is not contingent upon anything or anyone else. It also shows us that he's completely sufficient. That what he wills to do and to accomplish, he will do and accomplish. His name shows us not simply that God exists, but also that he is near to the people in love. And so what's, what's unique about this is that when Jesus takes God's name, he's declaring he is God. And wait, wait, did, yes, Jesus says it very clearly in John 8, 58 through 59. Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The following verses, they pick up stones to, 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 to kill him because in this day, using that would have, was declaring that you were God. So Jesus is not ambiguous in his statements. He's not, he's not clever. He's, he's declaring something to be very true. He's saying, ultimately, in these I am statements, I am God. I take God's personal name. I carry God's personal attributes. I'm not a messenger. I'm not, I'm not something like God. I am God. I'm divine, eternal, preexistent, and infinite, and a perfect being. When Jesus says, I am He's saying his name. So Jesus is declaring himself as God. So that's why we talk about these things. And Jesus uses this I am statement with a predicate after it seven different times through the Gospel of John. He uses it other ways, but seven different times strictly and directly this way, declaring something about who he is. And so again, my hope would be that you just listen to these things. We're gonna run through them quickly. And you'd either be encouraged as someone who believes in Jesus or challenged to Confess faith in Jesus if you do not believe in him. The first one that, uh, first statement we'll look at is out of John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is talking about how if you look at this world, you see everything around us. This, this world is, is, is dark. 
It's, 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 it seems hopeless, and darkness cannot change its condi- condition. Light must intervene. Light must come into it. It must invade in. And what Jesus is saying, he's not saying I'm like a light or I am a light. He's saying I am light. I am the light of the world. I am what will expose darkness. Jesus' life, the entirety of who he is, whether you believe in him or not, he is, he is exposing the darkness in our hearts. He can't not do it because he walks in. It's like, it's like a dark room when light steps up. You're, you're first, your eyes are, are hard to see and you, wanna, you wait, but you have to adjust and let it come. He exposes us. The very existence of Jesus exposes us. So if you believe in Jesus already, then you are not only in the light, but are called to be a light showing this dark world his hope. So when we see something like, I am the light of the world, then that means that Jesus, in our mission, is now he's now commissioning us as God, as God has done for him, to now do through him to be the light of those in this world. So those of you that believe, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are to be walking and living your life based on the belief that this light that Jesus has is now in you because of your surrender to him and is exposing the darkness. If you don't know what you believe yet about Jesus, then right now you can't see beyond the darkness. Every decision and every choice you are making is made as in a dark room with no light. No matter how hard you try to move forward, you continually run into things and get distracted or get pushed around. That means that the decisions and battles that you have in front of you are being done in darkness. You're swinging at nothing. You have no idea where you are. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. There is no darkness in Jesus. Come to the light. You get to the light by Jesus in the second and third I am statements that he uses. The first one is John 10, 7. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And then down, uh, in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Is that word? No one comes to the Father except through me. These two statements are to be received as the way to eternal life with God. Jesus is declaring that he is the only way. He's not one of many. He's not the best of many. He is the only way to God is what Jesus is declaring here. He's saying, not only will I expose darkness, but I'm the means with which you can walk out of darkness into light. I'm the gate with which you get to. I'm the one that you can see the Father through. There is no other way then through Jesus Christ. He is the way and he is the truth. He is the full revelation of God, the truth. Jesus is telling him there that there's nowhere else to look to find the true path to God. Nothing else in this world will show you hope like Jesus does. There is no way to be with the Father except through Jesus. He's not leaving any wiggle room with this statement. He's declaring that he is it. If you want to be with the Father, if you want to be with God, if you want Zoe life, if you want eternal life, then it comes only through Jesus. So for those of you that are here today that, yeah, I believe, I believe that. Have you, 
have you accidentally made it about more than Jesus? Meaning, have you, have you added some other systematic theology or, or understanding that needs to be known before others can follow Jesus? Have you found yourself saying things like, I don't know how they can know Jesus and vote that way. You're just making it Jesus plus something. And Jesus says, I am the only way, the only way. It's not him plus these other things or, or do these other things first and then go to him. Church, have you unintentionally switched it to it being a works-based thing? God, I'll, I'll do these things for you, and then you'll accept me, even though that's completely in conflict with salvation and Jesus alone. If you, if you believe this, then, then, then there is nothing else that needs to be taken care of before someone surrenders their life to Jesus. It's not a, a list of things that they have to do, a works that have to happen. It's Jesus. Jesus is the gate. He's the light. He's the one that exposes the darkness in our hearts. He's the one that, that shows us that we are in darkness. He's the one that draws us to the light, and he is the one that gets us through to life. He's the gate, the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. And for those of you that don't know what you believe, look, you had to know this was coming. You came to church on Easter. I know the church can get messy. And many followers of Jesus, myself included, at times have made Jesus less than attractive. Or maybe made him someone that you want nothing to do with. But if you'll just humor me for a second here. I don't believe you're here because you're being nice to a family member or friend. I don't believe you're here because this is just tradition and I go to church at this time. I believe you're here because deep down in your heart, deep down in your soul, you cannot seem to remedy the darkness that you feel. You can't rid yourself of the pain or the hopelessness or the struggle. And no matter how good life gets at times, you realize it still leaves you hungry because you've believed the lie that it's anything but Jesus when really it's Nothing but Jesus. You keep asking this burning question in your, in your life. What is my life about? What is this afterlife? And both of those questions are answered in the person of Jesus. He is the way, the only way, the truth and the life. Will you surrender your life to him? You cannot earn it. Don't make the mistake, like I said, some that believe that you have to do something else first. It is Jesus. We go to Jesus. He takes care of the something else's in us. Will you believe in Jesus? Will you surrender your life to him? Will you stop running? Stop believing the lie that you can find life in anything but him. Stop pretending like you think you're okay when you know deep down Deep down, it, that even, even the fact that you're here, I, I want to say it, like, God is after you. Believing this is, is, is not only about getting life, but it's also about sustaining life. See, I think so often the, the, the message that we declare is that Jesus is the way, and then we just move on and live our own life. And Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, the, the fourth I am statement that we'll talk about, he says, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, this is a, a really interesting text because what Jesus is doing at this point is he's dealing with a bunch of people that are following him because they love the miracles with which he's doing, one of which was he just fed 5,000 people with nothing. And so this idea is, is ingrained in those people because they had, hey, they had known the history in the Old Testament scripture about Moses and, and the, the manna from heaven coming down and the collecting of the food. And yes, God provides bread from heaven. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the bread. He doesn't say I will provide bread, but the people that are walking around him right now, the people that are in close proximity to him, they're there to feed their bellies, not to surrender to him. See, what... What Jesus does in this statement is he tells us that not only is life found through him, but life is sustained in him. To never hunger or thirst. Of course you're going to be hungry or thirsty again, but that, that, that deep desire to find something beyond yourself, that deep desire to see meaning behind all the, the struggle and strife that's in your life, that deep desire is satisfied in Jesus as the bread. You will never hunger or thirst again in him. We need more than physical bread. Again, Jesus is fulfilling the deeper longings and the eternal need by being the bread. That's what Jesus is doing here. For those of you that believe in Jesus, are you wanting something else that is distracting you from Jesus? Did you say a prayer at some camp at some age, make some declaration at some point in your life, and then just move on and say, life is about myself? What Jesus is, is declaring by being the bread is, is am I all that you want? Am, am I, I, I'm telling you I'm more than enough, but to you, am I enough? Do you believe that? Are you looking for other things? Are you trying to find and add to the Zoe life with some bios things? Even good things can be a distraction from the life that is sustained in Jesus Christ. Even the desire for relationships or money or, or security, all of those things that, that, that are bare needs, that bare, bare essentials can be really good things, but they can also distract us from finding life in Jesus. Are you letting him sustain you? For those of you that don't know what you believe, when it comes to this, what the, the most gentle way I can say the harshest of realities is that nothing will nourish you or sustain you but Jesus. You, you will not find anything else to satisfy you but Jesus. Everything else you go to, you will want and need more of again. But Jesus, he is satisfying our souls at the deepest level, a satisfaction that brings a peace that we, we see in Philippians that makes no sense. A satisfaction that allows us to persevere in suffering because we know that our suffering compares nothing to the future glory that we have in Jesus. A kind of satisfying that is not just fleeting or momentary like everything else in our life. And you know this, if you, if you don't know what you believe, you, you've seen this, you've, you've experienced immense joy in a marriage or in a, in a promotion or a child. You've experienced all these wonderful things, but then they always tend to just lessen. And although there's good in them and there's joy and there's excitement, you find yourself still wondering, is there more? Because only Jesus will satisfy your soul. One of the primary ways that he sustains us is he continues to care for us. The fifth I am statement, I love this one, is in, out of John 10, 
11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is saying, he's saying here, he is the the good shepherd. And how you know he's the good shepherd is because he gives his life up for the sheep. The celebration that we're in right now, the resurrection, the cross, the Good Friday stuff, we know that he's the good shepherd because we see that he has defeated death and sin for the sheep. That he is the gate for them to come through. He is the way, the truth, that he is the one that will give them sustenance that that satisfies the the hungriest of souls. That he is the one that is exposing the darkness in this world and in our lives. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who gathers the sheep and cares for them. He is the one that does. Jesus is is speaking at this time in conflict with with the religious leaders in this day who have just really displayed themselves as the the bad shepherds. They had... had, um, they had led their people away from truth. They put their people, they put themselves before the people. They, um, they should have put themselves and the people before, they should have put themselves, they should have put the people before themselves, but the Pharisees are like those bad, bad shepherds that take care of their own selves first, meet their own needs first. And, and, and unfortunately, many of you have experienced a shepherd like that today, and I'm sorry for that. But the only one that sustains you is Jesus, the one that cares for you, that protects you, that will keep your soul, no matter how far you wander, will grab you and bring you into the fold. No matter what wolves come, will protect you, will lay down his life for you. The only one that does that is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. One scholar says it this way, Jesus comes not to pile burdens on, but to relieve them and carry them himself. Jesus comes not to scatter the sheep, but to gather them. Jesus comes not to devour the sheep, but to defend them. Jesus comes to seek out, rescue, heal, and feed the sheep. He will do so because he loves the sheep and they belong to them to him. This is proven and accomplished by him giving up his life for his sheep. Church, have you forgotten that Jesus is the good shepherd? The last few years, I feel like one of the things that the church has struggled in a massive way is, is fear. We've been so afraid, so afraid of, of political stuff, of, of pandemic stuff, of financial stuff, just afraid, fear and fear and fear upon fear. I think, church, we, we've forgotten that we have the good shepherd, and that there is no one that can snatch us out of his care that he is the one that leads us to still waters and green pastures. Have you, have, you, have you forgotten that he is your shepherd and he is good and he cares for you? Do you believe that he's good even if he's leading you down a path that is extremely scary? Do you believe that he is still leading you to still waters and green pastures? For those of you that don't know what you believe, or you're still unsure about Jesus, if you've ever wished you could have someone take care of you entirely, protect you from the wolves of this world, or even protect you from yourself, the good shepherd Jesus is able to do so. He will care for you, and he doesn't just care for you at salvation and say, okay, good luck, talk to you when I come back. He says, no, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, there's nothing in this world that will ever separate me and my love from you. He says, those who are mine, I will never lose one. And those who are mine were given to me by the Father. If you 
want to have your soul cared for. If you want to see and experience life where you know that no matter how bad or hard it gets, that ultimately God, the creator of all things, is the good shepherd walking with you, then that comes only through Jesus. Not only is he the joy of having a good shepherd, but also means some really powerful things for those of us today. The sixth I am statement that he says in John is, comes out of John eleven twenty five. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Isn't it interesting how in all of these things, Jesus doesn't give the bread from heaven or uh, like reflect the light or, or bring about life. It literally is, I am the bread. I am the light. I am the resurrection and I am the life. That means to know Jesus is to know resurrection and life, and to have Jesus is to have resurrection and life. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life, he's claiming to be the source of both. There is no resurrection apart from Christ, and that is what we are celebrating today. There is no eternal life apart from Christ. This is in the section where, where Martha's questioning Jesus, had he been there earlier to raise Lazarus from the dead? And Jesus is like, no, 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 don't you believe in the resurrection? And, and Martha instantly goes, yeah, yeah, I believe in the resurrection down the road, like, like afterwards. Like she says she believes that, which is a really big thing for her to believe, and that's awesome and like great, a great doctrine to have. But Jesus says, no, no, you don't understand. Not just that, it's not a doctrine. I am the resurrection. I am life. You want life? It comes through me. This is what Jesus declares. Jesus, Jesus says that his spiritual life, he confers his, the spiritual life on those who believe in him so that they share his triumph over death. This is what Ryan was talking earlier about at the beginning of the call to worship. That the believers in Jesus Christ will experience resurrection because having the life Jesus gives, it is impossible for death to defeat us. This is... This should have the most present-day implications for those of us that believe in Jesus. See, Jesus tells us that not only will he resurrect us, not only is there a hope, a future hope, of a day when I will be without this body that is wasting away and I will have a new body that is in the new heavens and the new earth where there's no division, there's no lying, there's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no plague, there's no brokenness. That's a resurrection that we hope for in the coming. But there's a life to be lived today in light of the resurrection, meaning I have been crucified with Christ, as Romans 6 says, and I've been raised with Christ. So when Jesus dropped off the cross, went into the grave and walked out, we too get to walk out in the newness of life with him today. Man, as, as a church, this should just transform the way we live our lives today, not just for the future. This should affect everything from our money and our time and our, and our emotions and, our, and, and the things that we, we focus on and our intellect. Everything that we have should be transformed because of the fact that we are in the resurrection and the life with Jesus Christ because he is the resurrection and the life. God is the creator and life giver, granting life to creation and breathing life into Adam. We know that Adam, in the, in the story, Adam was, uh, chose sin, which brought about death for mankind and brokenness, which is what we, what we live in. Jesus comes as the second Adam, righteous and blameless and holy in all ways to undo what Adam did and reverse the curse. Je the offer of Jesus isn't some doctrine, isn't some intellectual thing, isn't some 
fancy words. The offer of Jesus is himself. Is, is he enough for you? Is he all you need? For those that believe, again, um, we should be living in light of the resurrection today. For those of you that, that, that don't believe, what this tells us, what this tells all of us, if Jesus is the resurrection and life, this tells us that the power that raised him from the dead lives in, lives in me and you that have professed faith in Jesus. That means that we have the power to walk out the things that God commands of us because his spirit isn't dwelling in us. It means, it means that we can, we can actually make the choices to do the things that God asks of us because we have his power in us. It means that our life is not about us, but about him. This means for you, if you believe in Jesus, you would have the power within you to fight the very things that keep bringing death to you. So I end today as we finish this book with the same thing that John left us with. Here are the many things that we know that Jesus said about himself. Not me, not John, but Jesus said about himself. We have to, we have to deal with that. To, to claim that Jesus is anything but these things is, is, in my mind, ridiculous. Will you believe in Jesus? Will you have Zoe life? Or are you going to spend your days on this dark world trying to fill a need with something that will never fill it? Do you have, will you have joy in a shepherd that will not only guide you, but protect you and sustain you? If you believe this, then, then, then right now, my, my encouragement, right now, confess this. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's all it is. There's, it's not fix these other things first or, or make sure it's okay with this person in your family or, or what are they gonna think about me? No, it's just confess with your mouth to acknowledge in your heart, to confess. That means to, to put yourself, this, this is true, that he's Lord, that he's not, not some, some God that you just get to invite along with you. No, he is, he is king of your life. And you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 has said. Jesus says, I'm everything you need. Is he all you want? Jesus said, I'm all you need. Not anything else. Just, just, just come to me. Will you surrender your life to him? The band's going to come up and we're going to sing. But, and then we'll get to the seventh I am in just a second. But as, as we do this, I, I would challenge you, encourage you, plead with you, and beg, and because I have a microphone and you don't, you got to listen to it for a second here. Don't, don't pretend for a second that you're believing the truth about Jesus. Jesus says he's all of these things. He doesn't get to be one or the other. He's all of these. He is God. He is the bread of life. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the resurrection. And he is the life. You don't get a part of Jesus. You get all of him. 
There is no faith of partial Jesus. And so my, my encouragement to you would be to face this question head on. Stop going through the motions. Stop worrying about other things in life, like, oh, I'll settle this more when I'm beyond college or when my kids get older or when my husband's finally here or my wife finally does this. Don't, don't wait. Settle this right now. Settle this right now. Say, God, I want to believe in you, but, but help my unbelief. God, I want to believe in you, but I don't know if I can give all these things up. Then, then tell him this. And if you're here and you, you've professed faith in Jesus and you've followed him for a long time, then, then confess to him whatever you have done that has caused you to, to start practically or intellectually living as if he isn't all of these things he said about himself. Confess to him, God, I've been looking for life in something else. I've not been living in light of the resurrection. I've not been, been portraying the light of Christ. In fact, I'm not sure anyone would see me and see you. Then confess that to your good shepherd who will walk with you through that, who cares deeply about you and, and still cares about you even though you did those things. He, he proved it. Why? Because he wasn't the good shepherd because he did all these things. He was a good shepherd because he laid his life down for us. He doesn't need to do it again. And wherever you find yourself today, then I, I just, I'd plead with you. I'd plead with you to let his resurrection and life invade yours in such a way that you can no longer live for yourself, but live for him alone. And watch, and watch what God does. I promise you, your life will be really hard still. But watch what he does. You'll start seeing light and life breaking out in all other aspects around you. Because I'm, I'm sorry, guys, the, the darkness has no power over the light of Jesus in our own hearts and in the hearts of anyone around us. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I was hoping I, that someone would have come here today and heard this, it's not too late for them to hear it from you. Go, go preach the gospel to your brothers and sisters that aren't home yet. You don't have to put them in this room. You're to be the light to go out of this room. Go and do that. Father, we thank you for the ability to gather. We thank you for the ability to, um, what an honor it is to be able to walk knowing that your light is in me. To be able to live in such a way that when people see what I do, they don't see me, they see you. God, what a gift that is. I'm so undeserving of it. Father, I pray for the individuals that are here today that have um, liked you but never surrendered to you. I pray that you would draw them to faith in you. Even if they're like, I don't know, or I don't understand, or I'm confused about these things, God, I pray that they would not care about those details. All they'd care about is you. And Father, I pray that you would help us as a church to continue to show this dark world just how Jesus is enough. He's more than enough, and there's nothing else that will satisfy and Father, for those that are, are your children here, your brothers and sisters, for those that are, that are getting ready to even partake in communion in just a second, God, may our lives be lived today as the truth that you are, the resurrection and life. May there not be a single thing that we partake in that distracts from you being made known and you being brought glory. We pray all this in our resurrected King. Messiah, God, Jesus, amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue to love God and love others. Thank you.